Here's Anthony Richardson. He has been a big play machine. He's immensely talented. He's Cam Newton and Justin Fields combined. Ooh. As far as the ability, he has that. Richardson leapfrogs a defender out of bounds. He is a highlight reel waiting to happen every time he touches the football. I'm able to do everything on the field. strong arm on display. Anthony Richardson though much more than that. Okay a raw talent for sure but an advanced mind when it comes to processing. This is what we'll dive into more today as Richardson Pro Day happened in Gainesville. We welcome you here to NFL Live. See everybody in the building. Well Dan I guess you're the only one here but uh, look at uh, all of us. <laughs> all of us right here. Mina Kimes, Mel Kuyper Jr. We got Adam Schefter as well and Todd McShay live from Florida in just moments. Let's go to that scene in Gainesville, Gainesville for Florida's Pro Day where the Gators were out and about. All right, we were interested to see Richardson throw more intermediate. We'll see if we can actually see this video. Oh, nope, there we go. All right, so we were interested to see him throwing a little bit more intermediate, more game-like passes. What could he do when things were a little more normal, right? And you see some of that there. There was the jaw-dropping fun, 70-yard pass to end it. There was a back flip. We'll show you that a little bit later when it was all said and done. But here's Todd McShay with Richardson following the pro day. I'm here with Anthony Richardson, fresh off your pro day, man. Like, obviously a big day. How did it feel out there? No, it felt great. You know, I had a football in my hand, so that's always fun for me. But um, being out here with my brothers, you know, in front of my family, showcase what I'm able to do with the ball in my hand, you know, it's definitely fun. What were you looking to show NFL teams, and how would you assess your performance? You know, just trying to showcase my arm talent. You know, uh, I, I can't be consistent and you know, accurate, so uh, I just tried to showcase that a bit, and you know, just showcase my arm strength because everybody knows about that as well. So just trying to do those things. Take me back to the decision you had to make. Obviously, you hear from NFL teams, you're getting first-round grades, only 13 starts. How difficult was that decision, and what was the deciding factor for you? You know, uh, it was definitely a difficult decision. You know, I uh, talked to a lot of people, you know, got a lot of information from my coaches, you know, from my mentor, from my family. You know, and just trying to gather information, that was the main thing I was trying to do. Uh, getting grades back, you know, that kind of, you know, pushed me to my decision. But also thinking about what, I'm, what I could have done if I came out next year, you know, but eventually I decided to bet on myself this year and I, I believe that I could, you know, be one of the top QBs in this draft, you know, so uh, I just had faith in myself and went with it. Scouts are always asking you, I'm sure you've been well versed in this, but who are the guys in the league that you study and what do you try to take away from them? You know, when I was younger, I definitely looked up to Cam a lot. Um, then, you know, it eventually rolled over to Lamar. But uh, as I got older, I realized that, you know, quarterback isn't only about how athletic and how great you are with the ball running. So um, I started looking at Aaron Rodgers, uh, Josh Allen, you know, Pat Mahomes, Tom yep. Brady. And I was just trying to implement some of that stuff in my game just so I could be uh, a better quarterback and not just a better athlete. In your opinion, I know you've heard opinions from everybody, but in your opinion, where do you think you have to improve to take your game to that next level in the league? You know, Lord knows what I have to improve on. You know, if you ask me, I feel like I got to improve on everything. You know, uh, accuracy, I can get better with that. You know, decision making, I can get better with that. Uh, footwork, I can definitely grow with that. Leadership, you know, I can go on as a list, you know, because I feel like I can grow in any aspect. So uh, just focusing on those certain things, I feel like I'll be a great quarterback. You picked your suit out for the, for the draft? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's going to be a nice one. Give us a little preview, you know? No, uh, the color I'm going with is gray. Okay. Uh, some people might not like it, some people might like it, but I think it'll look good on me. All right, well, good luck to you, man. Yes, sir, thank you. All right. 
You know, Anthony Richardson, a bit of a style icon, so can't wait to see that gray suit as we bring in Todd McShay. For more, he's at Florida for the pro day and just got to see Anthony Richardson uh, throw and do everything that he did. What stood out to you, Todd? Because I think there's so many people that love the talent and the flash that Richardson shows, but also want to see him do kind of some more normal things as well. Yeah, to me, it was the ease of which he throws the football and, and the upper body flexibility that he has, especially coming off of Will Levis's pro day, the, the most recent of the three that we saw last week, where Levis is kind of tight in the upper body. He's just so loose and fluid. I mean, how about rolling to your left, throwing off balance, flicking your wrist, and driving it 60 yards downfield? Then the, the final throw that he had in, in the session, throwing it 70 yards down the field, perfect placement, and no lower body strain. Like, he can make throws that other guys in this class, a lot of other guys in the league can't make. And he's six foot four, 244 pounds. And as we said, ran a 4.43 in the 40 yard dash. So uh, when I, I hear about the accuracy issues and, and I understand it because the, the, the tape is a roller coaster, right, Laura? <laughs> it's up and down and there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. But it, to me, it's not, it's not like the natural touch or the feel or the trajectory that he has. You can tell that it, even in a pro day workout with some guys, he has all those things. I think it's the lack of experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at some other guys, 25, at least 25 starts for C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. You've got four years for, for Will Levis and two years as a starter in the SEC. You've got five years at two different schools uh, for Hendon Hooker and in the last two years starting in the SEC. Well, with Anthony, it's just 13 starts. So when he gets to the line of scrimmage, like, he's figuring out the protections. He's not confident in it. What's the defensive structure? Where am I going with the ball pre-snap based off the read and then post-snap? All of those things lead to a lack of confidence, lead to him panicking at times and, and just not having his footwork right. When he has some time in the league to develop, and he's only 21 years old when he's a rookie, compared to Hooker, who's going to be 26 at the end of his rookie year, and, and Will Levis, who's going to be 24 years old before his rookie year. He's going to be just 21 years old. So you got a year, maybe two years, to develop him and work with him so that he understands the game better before you throw him into the fire. And if that's the case, I'd rather have in two years a 23-year-old mm. than, than guys like Will Levis and, and Hendon Hooker who are going to be older coming in as rookies than, than Anthony Richardson will be in two years. Yeah, it's a fascinating decision that somebody's going to have to make. I, I think to your point, though, Todd, it's also worth pointing out that he had a different staff. A whole new coaching staff came in. Even though Richardson mm -hmm. didn't play prior to that, he dealt with injury and was behind some other guys, he was learning different systems yeah, a behind good point. those other guys, right? So then he had to learn an all-new system before he finally gets a chance to start it's all part of the story it's all these factors that these teams are considering thanks so much to Todd McShay the latest from Gainesville we'll check back in with you soon Todd and Richardson's big play ability part of what makes him such an intriguing prospect since 2011 there have been 74 FBS quarterbacks to have multiple rushing touchdowns of 50 or more yards 16 quarterbacks have had multiple passing touchdowns that traveled at least 50 yards downfield However, only two quarterbacks have done both of those things. Anthony Richardson and last season's Heisman winner, potential number one pick in next year's draft, Caleb Williams, puts that talent, that versatility really in context. But Dan, when you watch the tape on Richardson, what really stands out to yeah, you? A lot of things. I mean, there's just this very rare combination of size, speed, strength and natural throwing ability. I loved hearing his answer when, answer when he was talking about I had realized I had to be more than just an athlete with the ball in my hands, paying attention to throwers like Aaron and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. You just put up the graphic, Ruddy, of the big plays, the, the opportunity to throw the ball downfield. I'm through the Texas A&M game. 
He's got 10 balls that are 20 yards or more that are dropped by his ah. receivers. And everyone talks about his completion percentage. Yeah. That post is an absolutely perfectly thrown football, but it's dropped. And then I love his strength outside of the pocket while he's throwing on the move. This throw against Missouri is absolutely big time leaving the pocket. So for a young man that's got this red combination, watch this post route, sees a safety cut, ball comes out on time. It's absolutely perfect. There's a 50-yard touchdown that's dropped. Those matter when we're just looking at the box score. And then that rare combination of side seed strength, but also the ability to throw. And that's what I loved out of his answer. So um, to all your guys' points of the inexperience in the games and, and the different systems, 100% accurate. But those are controllables. Hmm. There are so many aspects of his game that are non-controllables that matter. Yeah, you really have to watch his tape with a critical eye, an eye for context, maybe more than the other quarterbacks. Yes. I guess I would put Will Levis in that category too. Dan, Dan, something that jumps out to me with Richardson, I've said this before, my biggest concern with him, or I guess my biggest criticism, is the footwork. It's erratic. Mm -hmm. I think it's what leads to some of the inaccuracies you see. However, something I've noticed watching him, when he's on the move, yeah. when he is evading pressure, sometimes when he's even stepping up in the pocket, so not outside of it, his footwork tends to look fine. It, mm -hmm. It's almost like when he's not thinking and he's just fluid and playing and creating, the mechanical problems go away. And that actually makes me more optimistic because he has it in him. It's more that there's consistency being an issue when it comes to the footwork. 100% agree. And, and, and I think it's important to point out the thinking thing is not an intellect or intelligence thing. It's more of a youth thing. It's mm. more of a, I've been drilling this and drilling this and drilling this, and you're not in a game in drill work. Or you're, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you get into a game and you, you kind of go back to the drills that you were doing rather than creating yeah. the muscle memory by the age of 22, 23, 24, and then the talent takes over. It's a good point. You think about the teams that are going to think about molding him, and it's such an intriguing idea of what you could do with him. Mel Richardson's your fourth-ranked quarterback prospect. What's the biggest difference between him and the guys who are ahead of him? That guy's touched on it, I think, everything about him. But I think the late, great Bill Walsh summed it up about evaluating prospects, quarterbacks. Tell me what they can do. Don't tell me what they can't do mm -hmm. and what he could do. And Dan O. did call this game. It was against Utah, September 3rd. They're an underdog. He, to me, after that game looked like, boy, I wrote it in pen. Number one pick overall yeah. in the 2023 draft. <laughs> and then the Kentucky game and the other games. And it looked like he was you know, a little bit rattled, a little overwhelmed. But that was maybe because of the lack of experience, okay? So you saw in the Utah game what he could do. Let's bottle that game. Let's try to become consistent with that, figure it out, getting the Josh Allen's guys, get the infrastructure around him, and three to four years, you know he's going to be a dynamic runner regardless, one of mm. the best running quarterbacks in the league. If his passing skills can be replicated from the Utah game, carry that forward, you got yourself one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I think the key is going to the right team. Yeah, for me, Mel, I think more than the weapons around him is for really that first year to have a really good quarterback coach, a really good mechanics driven mm -hmm. or a, an ex, a guy who excels at understanding the mechanics, really the lower body mechanics of the footwork. MK, I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well with Mel, because again, I want to attack the inaccuracy issues. I think there's a very big difference between being inaccurate and mechanically flawed. A lot yeah. of guys that are inaccurate, yes. they just can't throw. Like you just, 
You can't throw. It, the ball doesn't come off your hand the right way. The release is very non-natural. Where he, I, that's where I don't see Anthony. I think he's mechanically flawed from the from uh, from his feet essentially. And I yeah. think once those feet are married, t attached to or tied to his upper body and throwing motion, that's when I think any of these accuracy issues are completely null and void. Yeah. I, I think it's really telling, kind of like I said, that at times his mechanics look fine, right? Like <laughs> yeah. everything about them looks fine at times. His release looks great. His footwork looks great. He looks so good making those off-platform throws. It tells me that there's not something, there's not like a fundamental issue Correct. here. It really is about consistency and marrying it to, you know, the concepts that he's asked to work in. Within. Yeah. We've got more Anthony Richardson coming a little bit later on in the show, and Mel sticks around for that. Let's get to some of the latest news around the NFL, starting with a couple of former players taking to Twitter with unsolicited advice for Lamar Jackson. This morning, Le'Veon Bell, who knows a little something about contract struggles, of course, tweeted, Lamar, get yours, bro. You deserve it. 100. I've seen it all firsthand. Former Colts wide receiver Reggie Wayne tweeted, Will y'all stop adding me to tell the Colts to get Lamar? I have no way of making your wish come true. Heck, I'm still trying to get my kids to listen to me, <laughs> let alone an organization. Former Patriots Asante Samuel giving this advice. He said, Lamar Jackson, my brother, trust me, you don't want to play for Belichick. Hmm. Adam Schefter joins us now. Adam, you may not I know, goodness. You may not have advice for Lamar Jackson, but what is the latest on his future? Yeah, one of the only ones who doesn't have advice for <laughs> Lamar Jackson or isn't wondering on social media where he'll be going next, although everybody's tweeting on a regular basis, announce Lamar Jackson. And all we can announce right now is that Lamar still doesn't have a home. We're still waiting to see if a team will materialize. He's got a lot of people in his ear personally and on social media telling him what to do, but there really isn't a change in the status right now and may not be until the week of the draft. Meanwhile, we wait to see if and when the Washington Commanders are going to enter into a purchase agreement to be sold. There's a growing belief in the league that by the draft that there could be a purchase agreement where Dan and Tanya Snyder agree to sell the franchise and move on, which I think would make a lot of people in Washington particularly happy and everybody's waiting for the Aaron Rodgers trade to come through but they could be waiting a while there continues to be a lack of progress between the two sides there continues to be a stalemate and this is another situation that looks like it may have to wait until the week of the draft before it comes to a head and in the interim the Packers new quarterback Jordan Love is working out with the Packers old running back Aaron Jones those two players, along with Romeo Dodgman, training in California, getting ready for the upcoming season, working out together. There's obviously the assumption that Aaron Rodgers will not be back. But what if the Jets and Packers can't reach an agreement? That may not make Jordan Love happy, and then maybe Ooh. he could ask for a trade. I don't want to explode any heads and make things any more crazy than they already are, but there are a lot of big issues floating around in the NFL that seem like they're all waiting for draft week before they explode. That's my head exploding. <laughs> By the way, that's actually just me being mad that Aaron Rodgers might uh, mess up the draft again. And I, I don't mean that in an ugly way. I just mean, please, Aaron, just let us have that, okay? We're excited about it. Anyway. Well, it's not Aaron this time, Laura. It's the Packers <laughs> that's and the Jets. true. It's their fault. We're just getting started on NFL Live with the Raiders adding Jimmy G 
this offseason. Could we see Vegas drafting another QB? Well, Dan thinks the other side of the ball should be the priority. Quest, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts all eligible for contract extensions. Which one is going to happen first, and why does that affect the others? Adam tells us the latest on those contract talks, when they could heat up. That's next. We'll be right back. Don't stop rock like tick-tock. Don't stop the clock to break the door. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome to week six of the XFL. We are number one. All about access. You're not getting me. It's what we love. Take a miss. That's what you love as well. They got me mic'd up. Oh, Special teams fiasco and a big strike for Seattle on the road. Let, let's it go in zone. Wow! What an unbelievable yeah! grab! How are you able to see it? I just got my contact about two days ago, so I, you know I can see it a little bit now. Ball's on the ground, <laughs> and Williams is going to take it to the house. You got to be kidding me. How would you draw that play up? Wow, oh, look at that. When your number gets called, make a play. Get yourself on a sports center, top ten, whatever it is. Have a little swag today, man. Well, you thought that I was done. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't done. I got three, one, two, three, three, four. Oh, it's picked off, and this is going to be a house call. How does that end zone take? By PZ Cream, man. DC Defenders, the only undefeated team in the XFL. The noise was amazing. The beer snake was amazing. You like football? I love football, Coach. We do, too. <laughs> we love a good beer snake here. Another great week in the XFL. Uh, they're back with Week 7, kicking off tomorrow with the Sea Dragons and Renegades on FX. Then on Saturday, the Brahmas take on the Vipers at 3 Eastern on ESPN2. The Defenders and Guardians on ESPN and ESPN Deportes at 6. And Sunday, it's the Battle Hawks and Roughnecks on ESPN at 2 Eastern. Let's head to Las Vegas, where the Raiders made the move to sign Jimmy G as their quarterback. This reunites Jimmy and head coach Josh McDaniels, of course. Lots of familiarity during their time in New England. And that's important than it is, more important than it is in some places, because of the complicated nature of McDaniels' offense, right? It's one Garoppolo knows how to run. But still, with their seventh overall pick, the Raiders have been in the conversation as a team that could draft a quarterback. Raiders GM Dave Ziegler said this to ESPN's Paul Gutierrez on bringing in Jimmy G. Quote, it doesn't change our philosophy at all if we have an opportunity to draft a young quarterback there that we think obviously is a potential starter at that spot I think we would do it 
what Jimmy's signing does is it probably does something psychologically for you in trying to stay true to the process, not trying to create a prospect because you need one and convince yourself. So really interesting hmm. there in some pretty honest perspective, Adam. What more yeah. can you tell us about the Raiders and their quarterback plans? I think when you listen to those comments, you come away thinking that the Raiders will not be in the quarterback market in round one. Now, let's see how the draft falls out. But I don't expect them to move up in the draft. And it doesn't sound like from Dave Ziegler's comments that they will be drafting a quarterback. The Raiders did make a play to move up in the draft to the top spot when Chicago was trading that pick. And they did have discussions with the Bears. But the Bears ultimately opted to go with the offer in Carolina. And obviously, the Raiders did sign Jimmy Garoppolo. And once they signed Jimmy Garoppolo and didn't get the number one pick, and you listen to Dave Ziegler there, to me, that tells me the Raiders will not be a quarterback team in round one of the draft next month. You saw him there shaking the hand, Dave Ziegler of Anthony Richardson today. Mel, with where their roster stands, should the Raiders be looking to move up for a quarterback in this draft, in your opinion? Lauren Adam, I look at the division. Jimmy G's your quarterback. You have, you think about it, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Wilson. You got to get defensive players. And that's the way you're not going to have the best quarterback in the division, the second best quarterback in the division. That didn't happen. Maybe third or fourth. So you got to have defense. And Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Georgia, arguably the best player in this draft. If the character concern bothers you, you pass on him. Then you can go corner to Devon Witherspoon from Illinois or Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. One of those two corners or Jalen Carter, to me, makes more sense. And what quarterback's going to be there? Maybe Will Levis. All the haters are out. Maybe he's a fifth-round pick now. I'm not looking at Hendon Hooker here. I'm looking at Hendon Hooker at the end of the second, early third round. So I think it'll be a defensive player like Carter or one of the two corners. And this is crazy, guys. This year's draft actually marks the first time that Ziegler has a first-round pick since taking over as the Raiders' GM. He'll look to improve on a rough stretch of draft by the Raiders in recent years, right? The Raiders have made six first-round picks over the last four years, and the only one that remains on the roster is Josh Jacobs, the running back. So because of those misses in the draft, the Raiders have had to rely heavily on free agency. Ziegler would like to avoid that in the future, saying, quote, do I feel great about it? No, and I probably never will, because where we're still living is filling too many needs in free agency. If we do our job well over the course of some years here, that won't be part of the equation. Dan, what is the most pressing issue that the Raiders need to address in this draft? Oh, defense. Because yeah. of the John Gruden regime, this defense is realistically three years behind everybody else. Ooh. Since 2016, they have drafted 10 defensive players in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, one is actually on the team. One. If you go back to 2016 and go to the first four rounds, there's 18 defensive players. Only one of them has become a really good guy, and that's Max Crosby. They're very talent-deprived at all three levels, both the defensive line, outside of Max. Now Chandler Jones, hopefully he stays healthy. They are very talent-deprived at the linebacker group and the secondary. This is a very easy answer. They need to upgrade the defensive talent, not only this draft, but at least for the next two. Yeah, Dan's absolutely right, especially about that pass defense, which finished, finished 31st in DVOA last year, has been a problem for quite some time with Vegas. I did like um, a couple of the additions they made in free agency, bringing in Marcus Epps, safety out of Philadelphia, yep. Duke Shelley from Minnesota. You know, smaller signings, but ones that I think at least add some veteran competence. But in this draft, they need to rebuild that pass defense. The secondary, I would say interior pass rush, 
And then beyond that, uh, I actually think on the other side of the ball, I would look to the interior offensive line. Hmm. Uh, one of the hits from the Mayock era was Colton Miller at left tackle. Yes. Jermaine Illuminor they brought back to play on the right side. He's decent as well. But whether you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, whose performance has dipped under pressure over the years, or potentially a rookie quarterback maybe next year, you need to fix this offensive line on the inside. So that's another area I think the Raiders should look to target in the draft because it is important for that offense to function. Yeah, you see their picks on the screen right there. That seventh overall pick, tempting maybe with this quarterback class and who's going to be available, but don't do it, Raiders. Get, get some other people, <laughs> right? Okay, coming up next on NFL Live, after coming up short this season, what are the Bengals? have to do to get over that last hump and get to the Super Bowl win it this time. Mina points out the holes this team needs to fill in order to finish the job. Plus somebody said they're the missing piece when it comes to that Super Bowl win. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. DeMar Hamlin in Washington, D.C. today supporting the Access to AEDs Act to help protect kids from sudden cardiac mm. arrest. It's a huge step forward in oh, ensuring cool. every student has access to life-saving resources. Awesome to see That's how great. DeMar Hamlin continues to use his experience to help others. Glad you're with us here on NFL Live today as we carry on talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. And they lost some key pieces in free agency. Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Uh, those guys not going to be on their team anymore. That defense is going to look a lot different, especially Jesse Bates. You think about the impact that he made down the stretch for them. So they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl, right? They're trying to continue on with form. You also got to think that they're going to have to sign a contract for Joe Burrow here relatively soon. We'll get to that later on in the show. But, you know, what do the Bengals need to do to get back to the Super Bowl this season? Yeah, for me, it's all about young players on the defense stepping up. I'm not worried about this offense. We'll see what happens with, you know, Mixon and Jonah Williams. Offense is going to be fine. The defense, however, has kind of been the unsung hero of this team over the last two years as they've gone to the championship. I mean, how many times have we talked about their, you know, adaptive nature, the bespoke game plans, the <laughs> halftime adjustments they've made, and so much of that has been contingent upon the play, the intelligence and experience of Jesse Bates and Von Bell, that safety mm. duo. So now you need Dax Hill, who's coming up in his second year, to step up. Cam Taylor-Britt, cornerback's in his second year. They signed Nick Scott, who's a young safety from the Rams. But Lou Anarumo's really got his work cut out for him this year on the back end, especially to pull off 
the sort of defensive performances we've associated with him over the last couple of years against the best offenses in the league. Yeah, I, I went into this thinking I was going to talk tight ends and maybe them adding Michael Mayer or Musgrove or uh, Dalton Kincaid. But to the defensive point that Mina's making, I think one of the more unique things about Cincinnati's defense is how smart their back seven is and how much they yes. work in unison. The lying that happens, the landmarks that go on, the verbal and nonverbal communications, um, the cells and the lies in disguise. And to Mina's point, like I think they're one of those really unique defenses that the intellect or the football intelligence is equally, if not more important than the talent. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like that's to her point, yeah. Lou Anarumo can't do all those things unless the players are smart because this defense will take a step back if they don't have that. That's just how they're built. And if they don't have that and or add it, the intelligence is such a big part in this draft process for them finding those defensive players with the smarts. You also think about how they made a lot of those adjustments in the second halves of games. How do young players respond sure. at halftime having to make a quick adjustment like this is what we're doing now yeah. to take advantage of our matchups. All right, let's look to the other side of the ball, Adam, because tackle Jonah Williams requested a trade after the Bengals signed Orlando Brown Jr. What yeah. more can you tell us about that situation? Well, first and foremost, Dan mentioned tight ends and the Bengals officially announced that they signed Irv Smith Jr. today to a one-year contract, the former Vikings tight end, and he's a talented guy that yeah. can help that offense out so there's an added tight end now the question becomes as you mentioned Laura Jonah Williams and what happens ever since they signed Orlando Brown Jr. Jonah Williams has requested a trade and he's done that for a couple of reasons number one they obviously are in the last year of the deal with Jonah Williams they're not going to be able to afford to re-sign him they want him to change positions to move to right tackle when he's played the left tackle position so there are a whole host of factors he'd rather just move on and not play there and we'll see whether or not the Bengals trade him. Now, if they lose him after this year, they probably would get a third or fourth round compensatory draft pick in 2025. So they have to come up with an offer this year that would be better, which would be the equivalent of, say, a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick this year. So as the draft gets closer, you're going to see more and more conversations mm. regarding Jonah Williams, and we'll see whether or not they move him. But he doesn't want to be there anymore. He mm. wants to move on. And they've signed a replacement in Orlando Brown Jr., opting to put their resources there. He's got a $12.6 million salary for this year that they could then use for players like Joe Burrow and T. Higgins if that's what they wanted. A lot of people could use Jonah Williams, too, so something to look out for either totally. way. By the way, only Mina Kimes would come up with bespoke game plan which, Shan, is not similar to your suits that you get from the Lost and Found rack. <laughs> I have no idea what bespoke They're not bespoke. What's I bespoke knew he didn't know what bespoke. It's custom made. It's, it's tailored just for you. Why can't we just say custom made? Because no? we're going to say bespoke because it's the best thing ever. Because we went to Yale? Okay, well, yeah, we did. How does he find, like, suits that big in the Lost and Found? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, it should at least make us know who right? might have owned the suit before him. Yeah. Coming up, we're talking about the Chargers, okay? Can they bounce back in 2023? We'll be right back. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hey, something to watch here over the next few months. See those three guys? Well, they are the faces of the game in a lot of ways. They're also eligible for contract extensions. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, all in talks for new deals. And they're going to get paid, okay? So, Adam Schefter here. What more can you tell us about the potential timeline, Adam, for when these deals may get done? Well, we didn't see Lamar Jackson up there, and he would be the fourth quarterback in line to get an extension this offseason. But as for the three quarterbacks pictured from the same draft class, I think at some point this offseason, every one of them will be extended. And I think we start with Jalen Hurts, who the Eagles owner, Jeffrey Lurie, raved about during the owners' meetings. Joe Burrow, another quarterback, up for an extension. He may be the last. And Justin Herbert, at some point this offseason, also will get an extension. If I had to guess in order, I would guess Hurts leads off, Herbert goes second, and Burrow will bat in the last hole. But Hawks are at a preliminary stage right now with Burrow and uh, uh, the Chargers quarterback, Justin Herbert, they haven't gone very far on either front. The Eagles and Jalen Hurts have been talking. And again, I think by the time the season starts, it will be an upset if all three deals were not done because these quarterbacks can't afford to step on the football field without having new mm. deals. But it may take a little while before we actually see some of these deals finally get done. I like what you did there. A little shout out to opening day of Major League Baseball. Enjoy, folks. Uh, speaking of the Chargers, it's been a busy offseason for them, okay, which began when they blew a 27 point lead against the Jaguars in the wild card round. Three days after that, LA fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, replaced him with Kellen Moore. And earlier this month, running back Austin Eckler, who leads the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns over the last two seasons, requested permission to speak with other teams about a potential trade as Eckler seeks a long term contract extension. Adam Eckler saying he feels like he's disrespected and not paid enough. What more can you tell us about where things stand there? Well, the Chargers gave him permission, I think in part because they wanted him to see what the running back market is like out there. The Chargers have made it very clear they want him back. They value him. He's one of the great players in the league and a huge asset to that offense. The issue is, is there a team out there that's willing to pay Austin Eckler more than the Chargers are right now. He's got one year, $6.25 million left. Clearly, he is one of the most underpaid players in the league, one of the best values that's out there. He's looking to get a new deal, more in line with what the top running backs in the league make. But the question is, who's going to pay him? And it's a tough market right now for running backs. But Austin Eckler is looking to see if he could find a new home. The Chargers have granted him that permission. We'll see how that process unfolds. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the Chargers are doing a lot of the things that we hoped they would do based on some issues we <laughs> identified last season. But what else needs to happen for them to make a deeper run next year? Well, uh, speaking of things that we complained about last season, um, uh-huh. this is a team that we were constantly asking to push the ball downfield more. Justin Herbert, despite the fact that he has a bazooka grafted to his shoulder, ranked 31st in average depth of target. Some of that was scheme. Some of that was protection, the injuries on the offensive line. But a lot of it was because of the thing that I think they should focus on in the draft, and that was the lack of of speed which by the way Kellen Moore their offensive coordinator coming from Dallas they had the exact same problem in Dallas so he is aware of the need for a true deep threat in an offense I think this is a draft that uh, even beyond the first round has some good options at wide receiver who can stretch the field you bring back 
Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is in the fold, hopefully healthy. If you can add a third wide receiver who can really, really, really get Justin Herbert to push the ball downfield, I think that would go a long way towards making this offense more explosive, which is, of course, what we have been begging for for a while. Yeah, hmm. Unpopular opinion. I think the thing that the Chargers did best this offseason so far is not overreact. Hmm. This was a really good football team last year that dealt with a tremendous amount of injury to their best players. Yeah. You can make the case that the five out of their best seven players, they missed 57 total games. Their two starting receivers played 21% of the offensive snaps together. And yet their head coach, Brandon Staley, still got them in. And they let, now, we can look at this half, half full, half empty glass. They were up 27-0 in the playoffs. Well, they, lost, they gave up that lead. There's no question about it. But the fact that they didn't overreact and do something silly was a good sign. Mina, you mentioned the speed. I totally agree. And I don't think Kellen Moore coming there as the play caller benefits only Justin. Hmm. I think it benefits everybody on the offense. I think it does benefit Mike Williams, who's a big-bodied, tall, lanky, contested catch receiver down the field. To your point, he's got to stay healthy. Go do it. Josh Palmer is a big playmaking, big-body receiver down the field. So I agree. Like, if they can add some form of speed to this offense that Kellen Moore is going to bring and they stay healthy – this is back to the team that we felt last year was a real contender. I feel the very same way if their health remains. I think in some of the picks right before their 21st overall pick, there's going to be a lot of offensive linemen taken. There could be a receiver there's, that's this still is a hanging team, around. This is a team because their roster's so good. Do you sit there and go, if B. John Robinson's there, you take him, Ooh. even though he's a running back, because the roster's so good. Well, he's versatile, too. They've also got a nice pick toward the latter part of the second round. So good chance to add a third receiver, potentially. You're such a positive Polly today. All right, when we come back, Polly. we'll bring you to Gainesville for Anthony Richardson's Pro Day. Our analysts discuss where Richardson fits best. Dan is going to talk about his most valuable attributes. Stay tuned for this list. I promise you don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. It was now or never. Got to get it now. Must have for the... The NFL Draft starts four weeks from today, April 27th, 28th, and 29th. We'll have every pick once again on ESPN, along with our usual expert analysis. NFL Live goes live to Kansas City. We'll be there for two-hour specials on Thursday and Friday, also available on NFL Network. ABC's coverage focuses on the prospect's journey to the draft all three days, also live on ESPN Deportes, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. For more coverage on the draft, we go to Anthony Richardson's Pro Day happening today in Gainesville, Florida. Of course, one of the most fascinating prospects in this draft and all of the NFL brass were out there just as they have been for Will Levis, for C.J. Stroud, for Bryce Young. You see him doing what he does best, the ease in the throwing motion, the ability to just make any throw he wants to make. The accuracy, of course, still a question, but we saw a lot of what makes Richardson so tantalizing today. And Dan, you think Richardson has some tangible attributes that will be really appealing yeah. to teams at the top of the draft. No, very top. Now, before I get into this, I know that we've had the conversation about Carolina and it's really only focused on Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I absolutely think Anthony Richardson is still very much so in play and should be for being the number one pick in this year's NFL draft. Woo! He's a top five player at that position talent. Be available. Okay, number one, this unicorn combination. Size, speed, strength. 
decision making, the natural throwing ability that we're starting to see post combine and pro day. This is a big time defensive end that he is shrugging off here. Week one, 35. The strength to shrug off 260 pounds, the decision, get down and slide. How many times have we seen so many young quarterbacks try to run through somebody? But that side speed strength and athleticism to do that is a very useful, useful trait. Number two, he is a weapon in the quarterback run game. Think of Lamar Jackson. Think of Josh Allen. Think of the things that we saw Jalen Hurts do when it comes to the design quarterback draw, but also run concepts. The pass isn't there. You could have your offensive linemen lead out as blockers. This skill set allows young quarterbacks nowadays to get on the field and survive a little bit for your offense before they have all the talent and or traits to thrive. Can attack every vertical blade of grass. I think he's the best deep ball thrower in this draft. The arm is absolutely explosive, but the touch trajectory and the placement sees the safety cut the crosser, back foot hits from the back 44-yard line or 444-yard line. That ball goes 55 plus in the air. Absolutely perfect. The deep ball that he has in his bag, it's absolutely spectacular. And then the strength in pocket movement. We know that it, sometimes it's how you move in the pocket. Sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it's very sudden. He's very strong with it. Watch him just climb the pocket here, hitch, hitch, and then rip that inbreaker versus man coverage. I just see strength when it comes to his pocket movement. Those traits, we're talking about a very rare combination. I would tell you the, the, the rarest combination in the draft. Here's the truth. Athletically, if he played, he's Michael Parsons of the quarterback. See, he could play tight end, running back, receiver, defensive end, linebacker. He could do it all, but also very natural throwing. You, you, right away, we're running quarterback run game as part of our offense, and he's very good at it. The ball is going to go down the field. Think Justin Herbert's rookie year, throwing the ball downfield, and then he's very good within the pocket when it comes to his strength. I love this kid. Again, off the top of this, Dan said, do not count out Absolutely. Anthony Richardson at number one overall. So we'll keep an eye on that. We're still a ways away from the draft. So many things can change. And how about this? In Mel Kiper Jr.'s latest mock, he has Richardson going to the Seahawks with the fifth pick. In that scenario, Richardson, of course, likely a backup for at least one season behind Geno Smith, who Seattle re-signed earlier this month. Mel has four quarterbacks being drafted in the top five. That has never happened in the common draft era. But Mel, when you talk about Richardson, wow. and we've been mentioning this, he's uh, it's, it's fit, right? That's a big piece of this conversation. Is the situation in Seattle the best fit for him in your mind? Well, I think a couple things. This is kind of a bonus pick. Detroit also has a bonus pick right mm. there at six. But for Seattle as well, at five, take Anthony Richardson. You have Geno Smith. It's a win-win. Geno Smith keeps building on this great. If he falls back to fit, you're developing Anthony Richardson. You have a pick at 20. You can get Will McDonald the fourth, an excellent pass rusher out of Iowa State. So an organization doesn't figure to be picking this high gets the quarterback. Detroit Lions at six, same thing, a bonus pick coming up at 18. I think one of those two spots, specifically Seattle, would be ideal for Anthony Richards. Mm -hmm. You know what I think is actually kind of unique about this draft, other than the potential for what Mel just described, which is all these quarterbacks going early on. When I think about Anthony Richardson, all the teams drafting near the top are decent destinations. Like often at the top of the draft, you're drafting quarterback. Yeah. It means your team is kind of in shambles. But mm. when you look at Carolina, Dan and I have talked about this so often, we think that they're pretty much ready to go. 
um, with a very good offensive line. The Texans, this is not the David Carr Texans. They actually have a good line, uh, you know, need some skill players. Uh, the Colts, there's some work to be done, but bringing in Shane Steichen, that's a great head coach for a rookie quarterback. So Anthony Richardson could land with any of those teams, and I think they would be good spots for him. But if I'm him and I get to pick my dream destination, it would be Detroit. Mm. Seattle's up there, too. I think that would be a good spot. But this Lions team is stacked. They have a great staff in place with Jared Goff. There's not that pressure to start immediately. You have time to develop. To me, that fit between them and him at Richardson would be a dream pairing. I totally agree. Three things have to be in place for Anthony to go there and succeed. One, there needs to be a good quarterback coach. I'll, I'll talk about this. It's not just about the weapons. You've got to really hone in on his lower half mechanics. Yeah. Detroit has that. Mark Brunel. Number two, you got to sit him for a year. And you got to be capable of doing it because you want him to break those bad habits while building good ones without the stress of winning. And then the second or the third thing is he's got to go play year two. This isn't mm -hmm. a repeat of the Trey Lance situation. I say this all about Trey. Like he hasn't yes. played enough. This, this young man's only played 13 games. At some point, you build him up with the proper tools, and then you unleash him on this league. As long as you have quarterback running your game, your offense is going to be very <laughs> difficult to stop. Uh, remember, Dan Campbell said this week, they're all in on Jared Goff, but that doesn't mean that but they're they not. But they can be. Exactly. And go be get all this in free. for yeah. a year. You can be both. Get Anthony Richardson. Time now for one more thing. And at the end of Anthony Richardson's pro day, he launched a pass that went so high it hit the roof of the practice facility. You see it right here. It was absolutely insane. And that's a really tall roof, okay? Richardson Ooh. addressed the throw with Chris Doring after. <laughs> There was a conspiracy theory back in the studio that you hit the roof on purpose. Can you confirm or deny that report? Oh, yeah, you know, I seen Will Levis do it, you know, so I just tried to up him once I tried to put a hole through it, you know, so. It's... Can someone check on that roof? Is there a hole up there? I've only seen punters actually hit the roof of indoor buildings. I've never seen a throw. Is I love the gamesmanship between the quarterbacks at yeah. the top of the Anything draft. Both do, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson have absolute cannons. So let these guys compete. I love it. Yeah, there's been a lot of back and forth talk. A lot of respect between them, too. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. Thanks for tuning in.